Hi, I'm Tej Singh, and welcome to Office Hours with Dormroom Fund, where we interview some of the most successful people in startups, technology, and corporate America. Dormroom Fund is a student-run venture capital firm backed by First Run Capital. We write seed checks of $20,000 into startups founded by fellow students. Since our founding in 2014, we've funded over 275 startups, which are now collectively worth over a billion dollars and have gone on to raise over $500 million in follow-on funding from Sequoia, Andreessen Horowitz, Excel, and others. To pitch us, go to dormroomfund.com. Enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Tage Singh and I'm joined by Matteo Franceschetti, the CEO and co-founder of 8sleep. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So for those of us who don't know, what is 8sleep? 8sleep is the first sleep fitness company. We use technology to enhance your sleep. Our hero product is the pod. It looks like a bed, but it's really a device that improves your sleep quality and performance. So while some companies say they you know, use sleep technology, um, they don't really actually, ha- what's an example? So you use machine learning, artificial intelligence. Can you kind of go into some of that? Yeah, so we use uh, machine learning and AI to um, obviously track your biometrics. So we track any information about your sleep, heart rate, and respiration. And based on your biometrics, we do two things. First, we adjust the temperature of your bed to improve sleep quality. And second, we also recommend behavioral changes for sleep improvement. How did you come up with the idea? Um, I was the kind of typical uh, startup uh, CEO who is uh, working uh, uh, long times and is stressed out and so I had problems to sleep. In addition to that, um, I have restless legs, so it wakes me up in the middle of the night. And so I started wondering why there is technology everywhere, why Elon Musk is taking me to Mars, but I still spend a third of my life on a piece of uh, dumb foam. And uh, I, I thought, let me, let me solve the problem. And what was the first step you took to solving it? Did you go to a manufacturer? Did you read some books? Did you think maybe you could just change the type of foam by using memory foam or whatever? Why, uh, how did this you know, huge amalgamation of technology all come together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, everything started with customer discovery. So we started talking to customers and we started um, asking them, okay, where do you struggle and how could we help you? Um, and at that point, we built the first prototype in a garage in San Francisco. And uh, actually, a couple of friends came to see it. And, and they, that was how we raised our first check. So it was not even expected. There was no company incorporated at the time. But one of our friends loved what we were doing so much that he gave us our first check. And from there, we started you know, building the idea. We went on Indiegogo. We had a crowdfunding campaign. We sold 8,000 units in pre-orders, and then we got into Y Combinator, and then so on. I mean, we, we, we kept working on that to, to get where we are today. And why were you in San Francisco? Were you working at a different startup before that? So I have another startup before that I sold, uh, but my co-founder, Max, who is today the CTO, uh, was based in San Francisco. And so we originally started the company in SF, and we just moved here two years ago. Was applying to Y Combinator a bit challenging because they typically invest in almost just always pure software companies? I think it was challenging because, and we spoke about this with YC, we got rejected twice. 
and then and then we got admitted. So it was a, a very interesting story that I think they have shown to to other companies that could apply, saying don't give up. Uh, we 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 like to see the same companies applying over and over again. As long as you guys can prove traction, then you will be more than welcome uh, to the program. So you started a low carb, high fat keto diet. The I until this summer I didn't really know what a keto diet was, but. Where I was interning, suddenly at the entire office, basically uh, maybe like six or seven people started using it, and they bought this like pen where you blow into it, uh, yeah. the K E Y T O, I think, yeah. and it tells you, you know, from one to ten. And so there was this huge uh, craze. I, but you were, it seems like, you know, way ahead of this trend. What yeah. made you switch over? So I love. I- when I was a teenager, I was an athlete, right? So I played a lot of sport in, uh, at the competitive level. So I have always been into performance. And now nowadays, this sort of performance translated in sort of, okay, what can I do to uh, you know, get the most out of my, my body and health? And one of the first things I tackled two years ago was um, my nutrition. And I switched to a keto diet, um, which substantially means you reduce or eliminate um, sugar and carbs and in this way you trigger what is called ketosis that's why it's called keto diet but the bottom line oversimplified is you train your body to find energy in fat instead than in carbs and, and sugar and that helps you first is there are a bunch of studies that prove that this should make you healthier and extend your longevity but more than anything, keeps your energy levels steady during the day. So it's not that you, you have spikes and drops like uh, the typical 2 p.m. drops. I feel at the good uh, at the good level of energy during the whole day. What's your favorite thing to binge eat for fun? Like a, a cake, maybe a pizza? Yeah, I'm Italian and okay. so it's definitely pizza. I can, I'm usually pretty good at self-control. The area where I struggle is if, if I see a pizza. Did you, uh, so let's talk about when you were growing up. Where did you grow up in Italy? Yeah, I grew up in a, in a small town, a small city called Ferrara. It's very close to Venice. And what, were your, what did your parents do? Uh, my dad was a lawyer and my mom um, a, a high school teacher. Are there any funnies your family tells about you that come to mind? Uh, yeah, that uh, I started negotiated things when I was probably 14. So uh, I was going around for car dealers, negotiating for my dad that wanted to change his car. Um, I have always been very detail-oriented, sometimes a bit annoying. So I was going to, I don't know, this dealer multiple times to negotiate over and over again, things like that. So part, part of what I am I'm today, it was already there. Did you get into trouble? Were you a rebel? or? Studious. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, in, in, in a way where I think I was showing that I've, I was trying to disrupt things, I was not accepting the status quo, um, but thankfully I, I didn't do anything too crazy. Yeah. What were you like in school? Were you always very studious? Did you do just enough to get by? Yeah, it's funny. So at high school, I, I was just doing the minimum. And, and my teachers uh, were, my professors were saying, oh, you have a lot of potential, but you don't apply uh, no, the, the, the right amount. You don't use the right amount of time. And at the time I was an athlete. And so for me, it was just all about my sport and not school. 
something shift changed when I went to, to college. Uh, I was something like six months in and I started finding that a bit more competitive. I, I, I started giving myself a goal. And so my performance there shifted and I graduated magna cum laude in top 1% of my class. Uh, but it was really unexpected, right? Because I was the typical high school athlete guy who was just about you know, body and performance and not studying. But I wanted to get into uh, some of the best law firms in, in Europe. That became my goal. And to get there, you had to graduate with magna cum laude. Uh, and so I had to get it done. And like any competitive people, person, I got it done. So what caused that change from you know, six months in? It changed because I read this article on, on this Italian newspaper that is called The Sole 24 Ore. It's, it's like the Wall Street Journal for Italy. And I started reading about all these law firms. So I was studying law, right? But I didn't want to become a traditional lawyer in a small city. I wanted to do business, that that's what I always liked. And so I read about these lawyers that they were managing these uh, uh, financial transactions, the, the largest M&A in the world, or placing you know, new, new, new bonds or stocks. And I say, okay, if I have to be a lawyer, I want to be that lawyer. But to be that lawyer, I had to speak English and I had to graduate magna cum laude, so, and with honor. And at the time I was almost not speaking English, and I definitely, I was not on a path to graduate with honor. Did you watch the show Suits ever? Yeah. You saw, okay, so uh, you watched all, all the seasons? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I stopped just the last one. I, started, I didn't like it anymore, okay, but the, yeah. the first two or three, I loved them. Were you, are you more of a Mike or Harvey? Uh, it's hard to say because they have pros and cons. I, I, I would like to say I'm more a, a Mike, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I come originally from that environment. Obviously, there in, in, in the show is a show. Um, but yeah, I was doing the, that kind of big deals. And I liked that until when I decided to become an entrepreneur, and I liked that more. Going back to high school, your mom was a teacher, right? Did she ever nag you to do better in high school? Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> My mom was supportive for sport. My dad has always been an athlete. He was a lawyer, but before he was an athlete, right? And so my dad was, my dad and I we were very close in achieving certain sport goals. And my mom was fine. If you want to do sport, you can do it and do a competitive level, but you cannot compromise school. And so my mom was waking me up every morning at something like really 4.30 or 5 a.m. Because during the day, so I was coming back from school and I was going uh, to train. And I was training from 2 p.m. until like 8 p.m. Then I was going back home and I was there with dad. And that was fine for my mom. But then she would wake me up at 4.30 and say, now you, you, you get your homework done because you need to keep going uh, at school, uh, well at school. And that, she gave me discipline. What sport did your dad do and then what sport did you do? Yeah, so my, my dad did um, two things. Uh, one, he was a skier. He was also in the um, Italian junior team. And then he was racing with cars and he has been uh, two times Italian champion. Oh, wow. And so in my case, I did ski, then I played tennis for a, a very long time. And then I started racing with cars as well at Italian and European level. Uh, but when I was in high school, I was mainly playing tennis. 
uh, all over Italy. And so I had to train every day, you know, for athletic performance, tennis, trainings, and all that kind of thing. Was your dream to get represented by Ferrari? Yeah, yeah. Motorsport is, has always been the thing that I love the most. Uh, and I still race with cars as a gentleman driver now. I did the, tw- the 12 hours of Abu Dhabi um, in, uh, in late 2018. I finished third. Oh, wow. Congrats. Uh, yeah, in, and it was in Abu Dhabi that is the same racetrack of um, F1. And so when I went on the podium, it was the same podium of F1. And so I was really super excited about that. What, uh, so when you're racing, what do you, so, well, so going back to the Ferrari, have you watched Ford versus Ferrari, that movie? Yeah. Okay, what did you think of it? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. Obviously, it's a show, and, yeah. but it's, it's still really nice. Uh, it, it was a real competition at the time, right, between Ferrari and Ford. And, and they have rewritten the history of Le Mans. And so now moving on, going to some interesting questions. Uh, as an entrepreneur, obviously you have ups and downs, right? What's an example where you failed and you thought, well, that's it, I'm done. But looking back, that actually was a formative moment. And if you hadn't failed, you probably would not have learned an important lesson, which is very, you know, influences you now today. Is there, what's basically what's the low, what was the lowest point of your life as an entrepreneur? Man, so many. Uh, I mean, as you were saying at the beginning, right? Uh, a startup is 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 made of ups and downs. I think one lesson that I learned is when you are down, you can start looking forward to the apps because they will be coming. And when you are at the top, the downs will come. Um, so. I think obviously we had a lot of downs here and in my previous companies. Um, the key is just to keep going, right? So to figure it out, to be able to take action quickly. So don't give up. Uh, then things can end up well or not. Uh, so far for me, they ended up well, but yeah, sometimes it was really tough. Now let's talk about the highs. Has there ever been a moment or what I guess since you are already successful now, this company has reached a certain level. When was the moment that confirmed to you that yes, eight sleep, you know, is starting to really take off? So, for example, were you at a party and you a random person's house, and did you notice that they had a mattress, or did you overhear a conversation about a random person talking about it? What was the sign that told you, yes, you know, this company is here to stay? Um, Maybe a news article. I, no. So at each different phase, you're looking for a different signal. And so from a certain perspective, I would answer, I'm still looking for that signal because now I have set a new milestone for me. But then if I look back three, four years ago, uh, the first signal was when we sold 8,000 units in pre-orders. The second signal was getting into Y Combinator. The third signal was to be backed by Kozla Ventures and Keith Raboys, right? So you almost have these inflection points and every time you set the next one, and today I'm looking for the next one that I didn't achieve yet, but if I look back, yeah, we achieved things that at the time we didn't think it was possible to achieve. So I follow Keith and DeLion on Twitter. Yeah, and DeLion. Sorry, Uh, explain what it was like pitching to them for the first time or meeting them. Yeah, Yeah, they're great. 
I mean, uh, I think we're close to both of them. In particular, we are really, really close with Delian. I was just texting with, with him. Um, our experience with them has been great. They invested uh, in November 2017. They invested again after they moved to Founders Fund. Um, they are demanding in, in, in the right way, but um, every second that you spend with them is, is really worth because there is in, in intellectual capital. So you remember the um, the purple room when you enter the Coastal Ventures office? That's uh, yeah. as, that's probably the most distinctive office um, I've seen. What's it like uh, raising the, the most recent round? So what are different metrics they look for? Or I guess what what's the hardest question VCs ask you? I guess you know for me it might probably be that a lot of VCs dismiss a hardware product is it's hard to scale or you know how big is the market or. They might look to Casper and say, well, Casper, he kind of fizzled out. So what's a, a challenging question and how do you kind of explain it? Um, this goes back, I, I think, to the, to the same thing of the inflection points, right? At, at, each, at each stage, um, they are looking for something different. And so, so there is a certain flexibility at the seed round and then another flexibility at Series A. And then as you get into Series B, phase you now they want to to see hard metrics that are validating the business i think now also with all these uh, shifts uh, in uh, in silicon valley after we work uh, there is a stronger tendency to look for um, solid growth but n not insane growth but with good unit economics and so as a business you want to find your multiplier of growth year over year and then achieve that in a healthy way. So we want to prove that this business is sustainable and it can last because unit economics and margins are good. Moving on to some fun, lighthearted questions. What's your favorite TV show and movie? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so TV show, I loved um, couple of different ones there was uh, homeland I the, the, the first uh, the first couple of uh, um, the, 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 yeah the, the, the yeah. first season the second season the first ones were really really good I, I love that um, in terms of TV in, in terms of movies I'm not a big movie guy but um, for example even Ferrari against Ford so anything about sports or performance is the kind of thing I, I really like. Have you watched Billions? Yeah. So I remember I watched Billions first and then I watched Homeland and it was really interesting to see Bobby Axelrod yeah. become uh, the Yeah, 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 I love that. I watched first Homeland and then Billions and yeah. it was so, uh, I mean, yeah, so yeah. interesting to see him switching from yeah. uh, that role in Homeland to, to uh, Axelrod. Yeah. Have you watched Succession? Yes, I will watch it recently, and and I like that too. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. What about the uh, last one when when he played against the dad? Uh, where uh, I watched all, all the episodes, so uh, so I I've probably watched it, but which I don't remember what. Uh, the last one when he goes into the conference. And, oh, when he tries and, to fire his dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope there's not much uh, drama in this boardroom as uh, as no, in that one. No, but uh, no, no. yeah, it's crazy. What's um. Is there any book that has really influenced your life? Yeah, I, I read a lot. 
obviously not just because he's in sleep, but because it, I think it's really impactful is um, Why We Sleep. Uh, is is one of the books that we also give to everyone when they join the company. And I think outside the fact that it's obviously a topic, the same topic we work on, but I think it's really valuable to see, there are so many things that most of the people don't know about the impact of sleep on your longevity and your health overall. And as I get older, I get more and more into health and longevity. So I read a lot of books and articles and medical papers about how you can improve uh, both health and longevity. So that, that is the kind of thing I like. And then I still like finance. I read that. Well, I bought that book last month because Bill Gates had uh, put it on his Instagram. Yep. And so then I read a few pages and then I got distracted. Um, yeah. But what, what are your favorite websites or new, how do you get your news? Do you still read you know, the Wall Street Journal or is it yeah. more of uh, getting it through Twitter and following the thought leaders and VCs? I do both. So in the morning when I wake up, um, I, read, um, I read the Wall Street Journal. And then during the day, I, I, I check Twitter. I'm not obsessed. I stopped using all the other social media. Uh, I reduce TV. I almost don't watch TV now. Just when there is one uh, not really, really cool series that, you know, uh, TV show that some of my friends uh, say I have to watch, I, I do it. Otherwise, I just read. What's your favorite thing to do with friends? What activity? Or just hanging out? It's just hanging out. Um, I'm Italian, so we, we have this culture around food. Uh, and so I need to find the balance between being on a keto diet and, and Italian food. Um, and outside work, uh, yeah, I'm really passionate about motorsport. So I know everything about F1 and motorsport in general. What's that famous um, F1 uh, driver? He was dating Kendall Jenner. Uh, oh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. yeah would you want? Uh, that would be like a dream person to meet one day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. super cool. Yeah, what's, um, what are your favorite restaurants in New York City since you're a foodie? Uh, there are two. There is Marea, that is Italian, is uh, close to Columbus Circle, and then there is a Greek that is called uh, Milos. Got it. What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Um, I, I love massages. So when I can on, on a Saturday afternoon, I go in a place where they have to get a two hours massage. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, Speaking of going back to living forever, do you think, so I think Google is the one that invested in Calypso or uh, what would, there was a, they're, they're investing in this technology where hopefully um, they're saying eventually we could live forever. Do you think we're going to, do you think that technology will be, you know, in your lifetime or in my lifetime based on, you know, your knowledge from reading these books and how you yeah. know, the science and telomeres and how they all work? So there is, a, there is a book about um, aging and, and longevity that has been written by a professor at Harvard that I really love. And so the way he thinks of that is he thinks of um, aging as a disease. And he says, what is wrong right now is just we take it for granted that we are aging. But that shouldn't be the case. And there are a lot of different actions that we can take uh, against aging if we start thinking of aging as a disease. His point is, as you age, you just increase the likelihood that you will have cancer or that you will have Parkinson and everything else. But if you were younger, so if you were not aging, most of these diseases, they wouldn't occur. So 
if you go by first principle, what you need to stop or delay is really aging. So to go back to your question, I don't think we can extend life forever, at least not in, in, the, no, in, in our generations. Um, but I think there is a, a solid of opportunity to um, increase our lifespan. The other big thing that uh, is being discussed is right now uh, people are living longer but they are still spending a larger piece of their life in a condition that is not healthy. So let's say my grandma, right? I think she died that she was 90 plus years old, but she spent the last 15, 20 years of her life not really moving a lot because she had the stroke before and then she started getting not really, really old. So 15, 20 years of her life, they were not valuable. And so the first thing we should try to achieve is not even so much to extend our life, but to make sure that we enjoy and, and we are flexible and able to move until the last second we leave. What's, um, any, what's a one habit or belief in the last five years that you've changed that has improved your life? Or a new behavior that you've implemented? A lot, because uh, I started working on my nutrition, the keto diet. I started doing high interval intensity training. Uh, in particular, I pay a lot of attention to my heart rate to try to spike the heart rate and let it recover as quickly as possible. And I became obsessed with sleep. Got it. What's the what's the goal? I think what's the vision for Eight Sleep One Day? Is it to you know go beyond sleep and become like the wellness company where you you know I think like you know supplements or even you know like now there's a it's interesting how every company uh, now they're they're creating like athleisure lines and so Lululemon is has you know a bunch of other products or is it you know yeah what's the in fifteen twenty years if this is really successful what are some other verticals you might be in. More than verticals is, I think, what we want to achieve, right? And there are two things I believe we can achieve. First, can can you sleep only six hours and get more rest than when you were sleeping eight hours? Yes, that is what we want to achieve. So we want to improve your sleep performance by 25%. Then, even if we do that, when we will do that, it's still six hours. And so at that point, we want to transform your bed in a health platform that where going to bed is better than going to your doctor for a checkup. So the, the bed will become a platform that will be able to track any biometric about your health and do a sort of scan as you sleep and let you have a report in the morning to confirm if you are healthy or not. Yeah, it's interesting how the world nowadays, there's a lot more technology, right? And so people are living longer and longer. Yet at the same time, there's the, since like the 1950s was the, the insurgent like the resurgence of or the creation of fast food and all these unhealthy diets which didn't exist maybe you know a hundred years ago and so it's interesting I think in 2017 or 20, 2016 was the first year where the US average life expectancy went down um, by a year instead of going up so yeah. isn't it pretty interesting that yeah um, you know I, I don't think it's for granted that you know a hundred years from now we'll be living you know longer than we are it seems like yeah. You know, the, the the healthy people are living even healthier yet the, the median population is they're not getting the same advantages as the healthy because you know their diet and I guess they're uh, they're not taking advantage of you know all these Fitbits and all these you know super healthy diets and the organic stuff and instead they're taking up all the, the yeah. bad stuff yeah. I mean I really agree with the last part right so yeah I have seen the statistics that life expectancy has been uh, diminished 
lately. But then as you look into the, the, the breakdown, you start noticing that that applies mainly to areas like you know, North America, where um, nutrition is, is very different, for example, from the Mediterranean uh, diet. And then if you start looking at the countries with you know, the lowest healthcare cost or the, uh, the longest longevity, you start seeing countries like Italy uh, or even France. In particular, Italians, right? In, in, in Italy, few people are on a keto diet, but I think our general uh, diet, the Mediterranean diet, is healthy enough to help this, you know, our population to live longer and longer. If you could go back to any historical event in history and view it firsthand and experience it, which would it be? Uh, the French Revolution. Got it. No, so that's Napoleon, right? Uh, it or is was that well, not? 1798. Yeah. If I'm correct. What's, um, uh, and if you could meet any celebrity today, which one would it be? And just hang out with them for a day and just swap lives. Let's do it that way. So you can be them. So for a, a day. modern celebrity. I mean, there are obviously athletes, and we spoke about Lewis Hamilton. Uh, obviously, there is. Uh, going back to the past, I, I would like to meet someone like Gandhi. Uh, I'm, I read some articles about him uh, recently, so th I think that that would be really exciting. He's really mastered his dieting. Yeah. What's uh, a, uh, you know, to wrap up, what's your message for our audience, which is mostly college students, and what's your advice to them as they enter the quote-unquote real world and move beyond you know, the protective bubble of college and before that, you know, the, the parents and the, the home they were in? I think, so I, I recently hired my chief of staff. Uh, he recently joined. And so I think if you're interested into a startup and probably you're not, and you're not an engineer, so you're not a software engineer uh, or an hardware engineer, one of the best jobs that you could get is to be chief of staff because you, you get exposure to see uh, the, the life of CEO. Uh, and so you see incredible things, right? All that, everything that happens in a company, not the good and the bad. And you see the intensity and you see how a CEO has to you know, manage and interact with uh, his executives uh, or all the issues and, and problems that might arise at the company level. Uh, obviously it's a stressful and intense job, but if you're passionate about that, I think is one of the ways, uh, the best ways to grow quickly. Well, thank you so much for your time. We sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much.